listening to So Connected, the podcast for people trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about our reflections on living through a pandemic. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My high is that I've just been feeling great, like in my body. I think as we're just heading into the warmer months and I'm wearing like lighter, airier clothes and more dresses and stuff, I've just really been noticing that I've been eating more mindfully lately and I've also been hiking a lot and biking a lot and that has been paying off and it just feels good. So I'm excited about summer and I'm excited about how my body feels and I'm excited about all the time we've been spending outside. That's awesome. And how is your progress going toward your 15 pounds before your birthday goal? I'm like halfway there and we're like halfway there. So wow, that's huge. It's going fine. Yeah. It's not like a huge goal, but it's just like, you know, my jeans and stuff are definitely like a little bit looser. And so noticing that feels good. That's awesome. And what about your low? I have just been thinking a lot about issues that are outside of sort of like my immediate focus. And one of them has been all the gun violence that's been going on the last few weeks between the FedEx Center and other things. And I also like talked last time about um, some of the legislation that's like anti-trans that's been passed in Arkansas recently. And I just, I get so overwhelmed with these sort of things that like I care about and I definitely put my vote towards, but they're not like part of my actual work. And sometimes I think like my work, I conflate like, cause I work in the nonprofit space. Like my, I feel like my work should be like my outlet for like doing good in the world. And then I realize there are all these other issues that I also care about and I want to influence, but they're not really right between my feet. And so I've just been feeling sad for the division and just some of the things that are facing our country right now. And I've been feeling conflicted about just personally feeling like I'm not doing enough in terms of advocating for things that I care about that aren't part of my day-to-day work. I've been having a similar reaction. I'll actually just jump into Milo, Catherine, because it's so related. It's exactly what you're saying. I'm just feeling this conflict between looking at my own joy in my own life and my own family and then contrasting that with the suffering that is inescapable and going through so many iterations of like, Sarah, you spend, you know, 10 hours a day, like focused on social justice, like through education, like it's okay for you to go home and enjoy your family and to enjoy your life on the weekends. I have that version of it. And then I have this other version of like, wow, that's so much privilege that you just get to turn it off and go enjoy your life while other people can't turn it off. So it really is this like very back and forth all the time in my heart and in my mind as I try to grapple with what it means to find purpose and joy in your life while others are struggling to do the same and when advocacy is enough or when it's not enough. So I definitely hear you. Yeah. It's like I want to be able to show up for people outside of my work. And I feel like this year, I think we're going to talk about this some today, but like with the pandemic especially, I feel like I just haven't been as involved in like volunteer work. And so I think that just feels like it just feels icky. I feel like I'm not the, you know, the disparities I think are more apparent now than ever. And I think I just feel like I'm not doing enough. So yeah, we both can, both can feel that way together. But I do think it's also important to have opportunities to recharge. So you have energy for the journey of the work that you are doing. Absolutely. I mean, and this connects to my high, which is just like, I've really been following my own personal formula for feeling whole and happy I feel like our recent conversations have been really good at helping me hone in on what it means for me to be whole and happy. And it honestly helps when you share your what you're doing and I get excited and then I'm like, oh wait, no, that would not actually make me happy. Okay, release that and release meditation and really and and so it's been this really awesome like strengthening of my own internal muscle. And it's funny because I've always thought I was someone who was really tuned in to myself and was already listening to myself. Mm. And I am to large extents. I don't I don't get pressured by other people telling me what I should do. I just get like over-inspired by hearing people talk about their own things and thinking that I would like those things also. 
and I'm just letting all of that go. And it's really liberating and joyful. Mm, I love that. It's so important. Now let's talk about today's topic, reflecting on COVID. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately that have talked about how COVID and the pandemic have really been this collective trauma that we are part of. And calling it trauma really made me step back and think, wow, it's really important for all of us to really process what we have been through. Uh, So thank you for jumping in today, Catherine, to delve deep. And I know we're we're still in COVID, we're not through COVID, but I think it's going to be a lot to process what we've been through for the past year and what we are still going to continue to go through for the foreseeable future. So I'm excited to engage in this conversation. Let's go ahead and start by answering this question. What has been hard for you about COVID? Well, I want to acknowledge from the onset that I feel like the things that have been hard for me about it have not been life or death, and they have been for so many people. So I just want to be really mindful as I talk about what's been challenging. I think it's helpful. It's I have to continually remind myself that like trauma can be relative. Like one suffering, the like I think what you've talked about with your childhood is just like the scale of the magnitude of our suffering doesn't mean it still wasn't difficult. So some of the things that have been hard for me though, um, definitely at the beginning, the stress of not knowing of just. I think we we both have in common that our we love predict predictability. I don't like surprises and just not knowing like where I was going to put my kids in school this year, um, not knowing is it okay for me to touch stuff at Walmart? Like I just want to look at the label on that and it just feels so icky. Just that like weird not knowing like what's okay and what's not okay. Um, deciding which services to continue. Like should I get my hair cut? Should I have a my, our house cleaner keep coming? Um, some of that stuff was just really hard at the beginning. And I think that's definitely gotten easier as we've gone. But I think that's something I haven't really sat with and allowed myself to process. Um, and then the next thing has been just our family has been really strict about our COVID measures because Nathan and I both had the opportunity to work from home at the beginning. And he's going back part time now, but I'm still working from home, at least through Labor Day. Um, we really felt like we had the privilege to be able to be at home and that we should take that as sort of like a social responsibility to be as cautious as possible. And so my kids haven't been, my kids like haven't been inside a store. We haven't been to any restaurants other than doing takeout. We haven't been to parks. We haven't traveled at all. Um, just because we're trying to be as faithful as possible to sort of the privilege that we have of not needing to be out and about. And because we're in this pod where um, there are some more serious medical concerns. And so we're trying to be careful about that as well. So just not being able to connect with people, even just like strangers socially has been so weird. And I really look forward to like a long conversation with a barista at some point in the near future. (laughs) Um, And then the next thing for me is having to say no to getting together physically with people that I do actually care about and that I am close to because I think a lot of our friends, especially at this point, have like loosened up their social their their social distancing practices a lot because most people around here, I just got my second vaccine this past week. So a lot of people have been vaccinated now. And so they're starting to see each other. Um, But like we have some friends who are going to be nearby from California in June and they asked about getting together and we just still like they will have just flo- flown here. And like we just felt still like it wasn't quite the right time for our family to be able to hang out with them. Even they're going to be all the way here from California and we're really sad about that. So having to say no to people that we really want to see and want to spend time with has been something else that I think I probably haven't really considered like as a trauma, but I think it probably is. Definitely not easy and not not a good place to be in. It's just so weird. And my kids will constantly talk about like, we'll be going somewhere and they'll be like, oh, can I touch that dog? Can I like, we'll be talking about how we're going to see a family member and they'll be like, can I touch them? Like just the fact that my kids are asking questions about who they can and cannot touch is just so bizarre when you really think about it. So those are kind of the things like on a personal level that have been really impacting me. And then I also want to just say like on a national level, I think that the pandemic has really 
highlighted and increased so many disparities and divisions around the country. I think a lot about access to quality health care and housing and education and just people having in this moment, like I think when when things kind of fall apart, you have the opportunity to sort of see what's really underneath. And it's been really hard to see even more than I already knew how broken things are. And I'm just really inspired. And also, I want to be able to hold on to the truths that have been revealed and sort of work towards a better opportunity for more people post-COVID. Yeah. And I I think that starting this healing process is going to be part of that too. Like if you think about this collective trauma that we've all gone through and think about what's at risk if we don't process it together. I was listening to a Nurtured Heart podcast the other day and they were quoting Dr. Elizabeth Sylvester who said something along the lines of as emotions and feelings come in or anger or rage comes in you have to metabolize it so that it doesn't metastasize and I just think that's so poignant and so connected to what we're all going through and I'm reminded of the quote that says hurt people hurt people and I just worry that we've all gone through so much. And if we don't process it and really work through it, it's only going to exacerbate the kinds of issues that we have seen really blow up during COVID, but we're, have been there all along. So it's really interesting to think about. And I also was intrigued by your comment about your relative trauma. And, you know, I can I have the same inclination always to put my trauma in the context of other people's trauma. But I really do think it's a disservice to ourselves when we don't just own what it is that we're experiencing. And I started reading that book you recommended called Try Softer. And she talks about trauma with a capital T versus trauma with a little t. And this idea of like, if someone cuts you with a a butcher knife, like that's a really deep cut, but like so are a thousand paper cuts also, just in a different way. Um, And so I just, I'm trying to say that basically to myself, not even to lecture you, but to lecture myself about just honoring where we are, what we've been through. And the change was so abrupt too. I mean, talking about just like a loss of control. I mean, we were at school on Friday and then spring break started. I left all these English language learner essays all over my office because I was in the process of verifying them for the state. And then like, we never came back for the whole school year. Uh, it was just unprecedented for us. So there was it was a lot to grapple with. Yeah. And I think not only are we doing a disservice to ourselves, I think if we try to compare our trauma, but we're doing a disservice to the people that need us to be whole and healthy as well. And I think just remembering that like, in order to parent from a place of wholeness, I need to have dealt with the trauma of my childhood in order to show up for people that I love in my life. We need to deal, like we collectively and individually need to deal with the stress of COVID, whatever, regardless of whether that was butcher knife type trauma or if that was paper cut type trauma. Definitely. So what about you, Sarah? What's been hard for you about COVID? I kind of broke mine down into two buckets. The first bucket was just the stress that I felt in my role as an educator and administrator, I really was responsible for thousands of lives without any support. I want to say any because it was really the opposite of support from the federal and state government. And as I was making notes about that in the outline, I literally was tearing up over this issue because it's just so absurd to think about what we had to go through. Um, For example, we were trying to, we had to find our own infectious disease expert to figure out how to set up safe protocols. And the infectious disease expert, of course, was following the science, which is about social distancing, wearing masks. As soon as you put social distancing into a school situation, it means you can't accommodate everyone at school at the same time. And yet the governor was mandating that any family who wanted to be at school full-time had a right to have that. And so it just did not compute. Uh, It was also similar when uh, the governor decided to open up 100% of businesses while also removing the mask mandate at the same time. So just 
insanity and really, really made it hard to do our job. And there was, at any given point, there was no obvious path forward. I mean, there was a time when we were deciding whether or not to open school because we're a public charter school, so we make these decisions independent of the district. And so the district stayed closed for a long time, but our infectious disease expert was letting us know that it was safe if we were able to follow protocols, which turned out to be true in the research, but we had no idea if it was going to be true at that time. We had teachers who were saying, keep school closed, keep us safe. But we had families saying, we're essential workers, please open school, our children need school. Other families were saying, our children have special needs, we need you to open school, we can't afford to start a pod. So it was just a lot to process, um, trying to process it and release it um, and, and honor the difficulty of it. Um, and then, I mean, really, just as a citizen of the United States, it was just so disillusioning to watch our country really unravel at the seams. It was already bad for four years of the Trump administration, but to watch a president literally be responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people and for him to still get millions and millions of votes, I just can't wrap my brain around it. And I couldn't handle, I mean, as as unpredictable as the p- pandemic has been and the uncertainty around what's going to happen, what's happening with schools, what happens if we get sick, the uncertainty that I felt with the insurrection at the Capitol and just feeling like now our democracy is on the line and we don't even have a safe transition of power, that was honestly such a low, low, scary point. And it wasn't even the people who were storming the Capitol. It was, to me, the politicians who were denying the vote, even though the Supreme Court had said it was legit. The Supreme Court that they stacked in their favor was saying it was legitimate election, and they were still denying it. That was just so hard. And then I've just, as I've mentioned in my lows, just been struggling to reconcile the position of privilege that I'm in. Uh, it's the pandemic has really deepened the disparities that I've been trying to be part of eradicating for 20 years now, but it just keeps widening the gulf between the different social classes in the United States. And I feel my own panic. And I think this comes from growing up in a low income home and being born to a mom on welfare. It's like I have this panic of, oh, I don't want my family to be at risk, to be at financial risk. And so I feel myself, you know, trying to uh, get more investment properties so that we have additional sources of income and that we're diversifying our assets. And then I feel this guilt that I'm out there doing that and while other people are losing more and more assets. So it's just been hard on so many friends. And those are just the top two things at work. And as a citizen, I feel like there are, are many more things, but I will, I'll stop there. But I have been trying to process all the things um, because I know I have a tendency to just face forward and pick up my chin and move on. And I don't want to do that in this situation. I really want to process things and release things and head into the future in a healthier, more resilient place. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we all just need to like take a deep breath, just like hearing you talk about that and like reliving some of those moments, even secondhand, like just like the uncertainty, like I think being put in a position of having to make a decision that's literally impossible is just so compromising for you, like emotionally and just like your nervous system just doesn't know what to do. It's so difficult. There were times when we had to make a decision and we had to say, okay, let's play out the worst case scenario. Say that we open school and a staff member dies. Would we still have made this decision to open if that happens? Like that's just what your thought process has to go through to make responsible decisions. I mean, and it's just no, no school leader is, is trained to make those decisions or should have that weight of responsibility on their shoulders. And it really felt like we were all just left to fend for ourselves. 
Yeah. How do you feel like that is still with you, even though you're not in that moment, like emotionally or just like in an embodied way? Do you still feel like you're carrying around the weight of that? I feel it in my tears because there will be these different moments where something will happen and I will cry and then I say, oh, I know it's still there. I know that I'm still carrying the weight of this and and it's okay. I mean, it's this is I, – I am learning to live with pain not in a way that is scared of the pain or ashamed of the pain. I am just trying to sort of – mosey on up to the pain and sit alongside it and really come at it with more compassion and more understanding and more curiosity. So it's it feels good. It feels like it's all part of the process. Well, thanks for sharing that. Of course. Catherine, what have been the silver linings in your life related to COVID? So this year has turned out to be an amazing year of schooling for our children, both academically and social emotionally. Like being in a small homeschool pod has been amazing for Sydney, who has autism. You know, she was doing, I think, 27 hours a week of therapy in addition to being in like full-time daycare before a full-time Montessori environment before the pandemic, which is just nuts for me to try to get my head around now of how much pressure we were putting on her and on ourselves to get all of those hours of therapy in. And she hasn't been doing any of that and she's doing great. And so that has been definitely like far and away the best thing about this year for us. And then also just having, for me, just working from home has given me a lot of space to be able to really do some of my own inner work. And I think being prompted to do that was really not pandemic related, but having the space to do that has definitely been pandemic related and incredibly important and valuable to me. And then also being able to connect with people virtually who I maybe wouldn't otherwise be connecting with, like this podcast, I think kind of came out of work from home energy of just wanting to, I have, and I have some other friends from different places that I've been having regular phone calls with or regular like Zoom coffees with. And it's been great just to get to, you know, I feel like and even doing like online retreat type stuff, just feeling like the virtual world just feels a little bit closer and going to conferences virtually feels so resource savvy and great in a lot of ways. And then lastly, for me, just working from home, which is kind of related to number two is just amazing. Like I get to spend more time outside, I have more time to cook, I have more time with my kids. And I just love love, love working from home. And it's something I hope to continue to be able to do part-time after the pandemic. Has your experience with schooling this year given you any pause about your plan for next year? If I didn't really believe in public school and I didn't also look forward (laughs) to not paying for private school anymore, we would definitely consider continuing. But yeah, I, I have this fear that this is the best year of my children's education which is just like mind blowing in so many ways. Cause we live in like the school districts. That's the best, like one of the best school districts in Arkansas. Like our kids are going to go to an amazing school, but it's just so like, it's a very traditional pedagogy and what they're doing here is so learner focused. It's so specific to their interest and their needs. And it's so holistic emotionally. It's not going to be like that for them when they go to school next year. And I know that. So I, I, I have, I have had a lot of pause, but I, I feel committed to being a part of public school system. And I also just personally want that capital freed up. Yeah, it's really hard. And both of my children are at a Montessori school, luckily public free public Montessori school. But at the same time, I still feel like my older son is kind of a square peg in a round hole, just like school in general is just not matched up with like where he shines so Mm -hmm. brightly as a person. So I'm just continuing, continuing to process what that means for him because I want him to feel just so brilliant and so successful and just public school is really hard for kids to feel that way sometimes. So something I'm thinking about. Right. Yeah, especially as they get older, I think like I've kind of justified like, oh, it'll be fine for them to go to like, because we don't have a public Montessori option here. So I've thought like, oh, it'll be fine for them to go for elementary school. But I don't know as they get older, I'll have a really hard time if we still live here deciding what to do. Okay, Sarah, what about you? What have been the silver linings related to COVID for you? I love this question because for me, this is part of the healing process like to look at the bright side of things. And 
I, when I was writing about this in my journal, which I don't write in my journal very often, but when I do, I usually have these great insights and it made me realize that the pandemic caused us to hit a new low point as a family. My older son's behavior was just escalating and getting worse and worse. It was already on that trajectory. And then the pandemic just made it worse all the time that we were spending together. And I'm actually super glad now, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually really glad that the pandemic caused us to cancel our around the world trip. Because if we had gone on that trip, we would not have found our way into parenting coaching. And parenting coaching has just changed everything for us because it changed our relationship to our son. And we now see him as the brilliant, bright human that he is. And we give him the energy that he needs, but in a positive way. And so I'm literally grateful that we stayed and that we hit that low point and that we had to seek out that pathway. I feel like you need to say more about parenting coaching. Like, I want some details on that after that review. It's the, I've mentioned it before that it's the nurtured heart approach And it's an approach that I read about in a book years ago. And when I read it, I was sort of like, yeah, that sounds good. That makes sense. But I didn't really internalize it. And I didn't know how to apply it to our life. And so then when I was listening to the Friendlier podcast, Sarah Copper just mentioned offhandedly that she and Neil were going to parenting coaching And so I called her and I was like, tell me about this parenting coaching thing. And it just really got me inspired to seek out a new method. I knew I needed a method because I really resonate with sort of step-by-step frameworks for things. But I know that I'm not really good at trying to learn those from a book by myself. And so I found a parenting, and it's, it's literally accidental that we found the nurtured heart approach because I reached out to an acquaintance who is a therapist and asked her for some recommendations. And she gave me four recommendations. And the first person that she recommended the most was totally full. And that person was doing positive discipline. And then the second person that I reached out to was also full. And, but she was doing the nurtured heart. And so then I sort of talked to her, like, what's the difference between nurtured heart and positive discipline? And she really got me invested in nurtured heart. So then I asked her for other nurtured heart practitioners and found my way to Dr. Jeffrey Swan. And it's just an approach that resonates so deeply with me. And I think there are different approaches for different people, but I just love how it reframes how we use our energy and where we focus our energy with our children. And it's also about one of my favorite things is that I now actually have appreciation for myself and almost celebration for myself that I can't regulate 100% of the time because if I was perfect, if I were perfect at regulating, then I wouldn't be able to model for my children what it looks like to calm myself down when something throws me off balance. And that was life-changing to see it as this is actually a good thing that I need to model this and that I'm going to continue to be a work in progress forever. And it's okay for my children to see that and for me to repair things with them. So it's just been really good. Hmm. That sounds amazing. It sounds so like liberating. It is. And it, it really at its core, it's about strong relationships and doing whatever it takes to have strong relationships. And sometimes we get stuck not knowing what's getting in the way of the relationship or how to build a strong, healthy relationship. So figuring that out has just meant everything to our family. So the silver lining is getting into parenting coaching. And then also, I feel like the back-to-back stressors of this year have pushed me to seek out even more healing. And I already needed that healing, but I needed more stress and difficulty to convince me that I needed the healing. So Reiki has been a really important addition to my journey. And so I'm grateful for the four paid professionals that I have in my life right now, which sounds ridiculous, which is also why I'm hustling to make more money because it's really expensive to have four paid professionals in your life. But it's just been really great to feel like I'm doing a lot of emotional healing and processing so that I'm ready for the next 
wave that comes in life because there will inevitably be more. Yeah, I love all that. This reminds me of a quote from the book, When Things Fall Apart. It says, to think that we can finally get it all together is unrealistic. To seek for some lasting security is futile. To undo our very ancient and very stuck habitual patterns of mind requires us to begin to turn around some of our most basic assumptions. Believing in a solid, separate self, continuing to seek pleasure and avoid pain, thinking that someone out there is to blame for our pain. One has to get totally fed up with these ways of thinking. One has to give up hope that this way of thinking will ever bring us satisfaction. Satisfaction. Suffering begins to dissolve when we can question the belief or the hope that there is anywhere to hide. I just feel like so often I think we think that like our happiness is on the other side of our suffering, that like if I can just get it all together and I can I can get out of this pain and I can like build myself up and beyond and away from it. Um, but in fact, I think just giving up the notion that that can happen and being able to become comfortable, like cozy up to your pain and be comfortable in it is what actually allows for the capacity, I think, for a lot more joy. I love that. And is it cozy or mosey up? Mosey up. Do you mosey I got to <laughs> you, you mosey up, up to but- something? I would cozy up to something I was, too. I, I think you mosey up to it and then you cozy up to it once you're Maybe there. You're gonna, you got to do both. You're going to get really vulnerable. Um, Catherine, on to our next question. What did you learn about yourself during the pandemic? Oh, Sarah, I have learned so much in this last year and I don't know how much of it has to do with the pandemic or how much of it just has to do with having had a little bit more space. Um, I think a lot of it was just being in therapy for the first time as an adult. And that really started before the, right before the pandemic with the post-job transition kind of burnout situation. So I think I've really just through that work, I've broken down a lot of sort of like the protective layers that I had that were formed from both childhood and also just like societal expectations and really harsh expectations that I have of myself to perform in certain ways. And it's really changed. And so and so in some ways, I feel like it's been like a season of loss, but of loss of things that I was holding on to in ways that weren't healthy. So of identities that identities or conceptions about myself that weren't very healthy. It's changed the kind of relationship I want to have with my parents. And so that has all felt devastating in some ways, but it's allowed a lot of goodness to be born out of that. I think it's been like really humbling and and humiliating. I think there's like kind of a fine line between being humbled and humiliated. But I've really, it's really allowed me an opportunity to have a much deeper connection with myself and with my family, which has just meant everything. And it's allowed me to like, sort of live in the world out of just a much deeper and more centered way. And I really feel like this, I feel like there are parallels between this sort of like, individual transformation. I don't know if transformation might be too big of a word, but individual change that's been happening for me in this last year. And then sort of what I feel like is happening or needs to happen at a societal level is that like, as I think I talked about this in the first podcast, as like some of our perceptions about things, our false narratives fall away, and we, we change the way of thinking about how society works. So we say like, yeah, healthcare is working great for everyone when that's really not true and that sort of falls away and we're left with just like the truth that the pandemic has revealed. Um, I think it gives us like truth always gives us an opportunity to to grow new things. And I really, for me, I feel like just like at a personal level, this is pandemic related. It's just that like seeing that in the US has been really compelling because I know like I've been reminded a lot of how when I lived in India, like poverty is everywhere. You see slums everywhere you go. There are, you know, people like little street children begging everywhere you go. And it's really like heart wrenching constantly. But I think in the US, it's just so easy if you work in a professional environment where you're not directly, you know, I think when I used to be in the nonprofit, like directly working in schools, I would be constantly reminded of kids who are struggling. But now that I work more layers removed from that level of impact, like, it's easy just to go about your normal life and not realize that like right here in our community, there are are so many hungry kids and there's so much abuse and there's so many problems happening. And so I think the pandemic has sort of revealed that and hopefully in really, really meaningful ways for a lot of people. 
So that's kind of what I've learned about myself, both just a little bit personally, which I don't know how much is pandemic related. And then also just sort of like this reminder of like, we all belong to each other and I want to take care of my neighbors in more meaningful ways. Yeah, makes sense. So what about you, Sarah? What have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? I have learned that I keep having trauma responses in my life when I don't feel emotionally safe. Like it was interesting to start therapy a couple of years ago after a really hard launch of the school. And I went to therapy to process how hard launching the school was. And then my therapist cracked open this idea of all the childhood trauma that I had and how my job was actually re-traumatizing me after those years of trauma. And that was just mind-blowing to me to understand my story in a different way and to really reclaim my story. I really appreciated that process. But going through this again has literally been re-traumatizing to be in that position. And so I, when I don't feel emotionally safe, it can lead to really negative patterns in my life, like over-controlling my children or our family life because I'm sort of grasping for safety that I'm not feeling. And so I'm really struggling with the lack of safety that I feel in my job and in my, in my position that I'm in. And so I am actively trying to cope with that and deal with that. And, and my Reiki healer has really helped me push on this idea that my job should be less of my life. Like when your job is your whole life and you feel unsafe in that situation, you're in a much more vulnerable position than if you don't let that take up your entire life. And she's really pushed me to help me figure out what it is that I need more of that I'm not getting from my job and making sure that I seek that out in other ways, in other forms, from other people. So that's been a really helpful part of my journey. And also, I mean, during this pandemic, I've just learned about myself that I have a tremendous amount of generative and creative energy, and I feel the most joyful and connected when I have outlets for that energy. So like doing this podcast has been super fun, and I'm excited for my second podcast just because I I just like to generate ideas and share ideas and connect with others through ideas. I've also learned that screen time for my children is not all evil. It it really helps all of us have the kind of family life that we want to have. I mean, on the weekends now, like they never used to get screen time on a weekday. Now they have to get it on a weekday. So Matt has some sort of sanity because he's with them all the time. And then on the weekends, they're getting it like three or four hours a day because then I'm using that time to work on my creative pursuits. And Matt is using that time to run and enjoy nature and be out of the house. And so we all just enjoy that time. And so I'm grateful for that lesson and that learning from the pandemic. Yeah, I'm really, there are a couple of things that I want to ask more about, I think first, just like the safety. So I've been thinking a lot about safety too, just in my own therapy with my therapist. And I've been talking or I've been journaling, I guess, about safety kind of being broken down into four categories, physical, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual. And I've been, I've been tracking just like the last two weeks, what situations I feel safest in these different categories in like positively safe. Cause I think one you know, as you know, I've been influenced by the thinking of polyvagal theory and Stephen Porges. And one of part of that theory is that safety can't be neutral. And I think I tend to be like, I don't feel unsafe, but I don't feel super safe. And it's just like neutral for me. And my therapist has been like, safety can't be neutral. You have to land Mm. one way or the other. So I think just kind of thinking about different situations. And it's been interesting for me that like, if Nathan's getting onto the girls and he's doing it in Canada, I feel pretty okay with that. But if he's doing it in English, I have this like really strong, like you can't scold them reaction. And so I think there's, it's, it's been really interesting to like track um, what feels safe and what feels unsafe. So I think the suggestion of thinking about 
that in the context of your job and other things outside your job sounds like it'll be a really meaningful one. I look forward to hearing how your how that tracking goes for you. And- yeah, there's a really interesting tracking exercise that I've been doing a couple days where you just set a timer on your phone for every two hours. And then when the timer goes off, you just step back and reflect about what emotions you're experiencing or what you're feeling. So it's this little dipstick into your life throughout the day. And it's really interesting for me to do it on a weekend versus to do it on a weekday and to compare how I feel if I'm in certain meetings or if I'm working alone and sort of what that means for where I feel the safest and where I feel most like myself. So it's been a good self-reflection tool. Hmm, that's really interesting. I think being alone is a like default safety option for me. And so I'm trying to sort of reprogram my brain on that a little bit. Um, and then I think what you said about screen time, like just amen from all the parents of the pandemic on that. Um, <laughs> my kids have definitely been getting more screen time too. And it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, I continue just to reflect with my friends of a similar generation. We grew up in the 80s and we got all the screen time we wanted and we largely got all the junk food we wanted. And then we all grew up to be people who really don't watch a lot of TV and who are oriented toward health and exercise. And so there's something in that that I just keep coming back to and reflect a lot when I start to feel mom guilt or shame about too much sugar or too much screen time. I think too much stress is even worse than those things. Yeah, I agree. Catherine, what changes do you want to make in your life post-pandemic based on what you've learned about yourself? I just hope, I mean, my primary hope is that I can continue to have sort of the spaciousness in my life that the pandemic has allowed me to have. And I don't know exactly how I'll achieve that, whether it'll be continuing to work from home some or just continuing to wake up earlier than the rest of my family to have alone time and to carve out time for these long walks I've been taking. It's been just so amazing to feel like there's been enough mental space and emotional space to really live into my creative interests and to do the therapy work and to do the journaling and to do the meditation in really consistent ways. Um, And then the second thing is, I think it's really just changed the way that I think about people. And like, I miss my friends. (laughs) But I also really just want to like, I want to just kind of in the same spirit of like wanting to have spaciousness, like I don't want to fill up my calendar again with things that I don't really care about. And I think there I used to feel a lot of pressure to like go to all the birthday parties we got invited to. And it just isn't necessary. I'd rather pick a smaller number of people that I really want to invest in those relationships and, um, and carve out time to make that happen. It makes a lot of sense. And Erica on the girl next door podcast just said she literally never goes to a birthday party and that her girls know if they get an invitation, they just aren't going to go. And it's really hilarious to listen to her talk about it. Oh my gosh. I'll have to tune into that. So what about you, Sarah? What changes are you wanting to make in your post pandemic life? I'm wanting to maintain the balance that I'm finding with daily movements. I'm walking on my treadmill like one to two hours a day while I'm working. I'm also, I've also just recently, I mean, just within the last month or so, have been committing to more nutritious meals. For a while, I was doing Noom for weight loss, and that was really awesome for helping me really ground myself in my goals and my intentions and for watching my caloric intake, but it wasn't, I wasn't focusing enough on the nutrition. So I've really shifted now to focusing more on nutritious meals because before I was just saving up calories and then eating McDonald's French fries (laughs) and now I'm focusing more on nutrition. Um, And also just regular sleep and really intentional stress reduction, but in a way that serves me, not just something that serves someone else to Mm. reduce their stress, but things that really reduce my stress. Even if other people think that the things I do for fun are stressful, they're actually not to me, and I like them, so I'm going to keep doing them. Um, And then I also want to start working out at the YMCA after we get back from our summer vacation. I'm going to be fully vaccinated, and I really, as I get into perimenopause, 
want to bring more weight-bearing exercise into my life. And so uh, I want to commit to that. And then also I've been really interested in this idea of varying your exercise depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle and wanting that's inspiring me to want to bring in more swimming, more lap swimming. Mm. And so the YMCA has a lap pool also. And then I want to keep getting together with friends nearly every week. I know it sounds super bizarre, but the pandemic has actually increased the amount of time that we spend with others because we just have one friend, one friend family that we get to have gotten together with nearly every weekend through the whole pandemic. We just go outside, we socially distance, like it's been really safe and we've been each other's companions this whole time. And so I want to keep that going. And I think this is such an important question because as the pandemic starts to come to an end, there are obviously these things that we're looking forward to changing and getting back to things in our regular life, but there are other opportunities to change what our lives have been like. And so if there are things that we want to keep doing, but we can't, we should properly mourn those things. But if there are things we want to keep doing that we don't think we can, we might try to advocate for them. It's just a very complex set of emotions, right? And being that kind of advocate for yourself is hard. It takes a lot of self-awareness. And to have that self-awareness, you really need space to step back. And yet, who has space these days, really, aside from Catherine, (laughs) uh, to like self-reflect and like really dig deep about what you want? So it's just a lot to to think about. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Thanks for asking it. And I love how you're just – moving deeper and deeper into your body. It's inspiring. Yes. And then it's going to be the natural world after that. I'm waiting. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's topic. Now it's time for our tips and tricks segment. Catherine, what do you want to share? Nathan and I celebrated our 10-year anniversary, which probably should have been my high, but I'm going to add that. I had two highs. The second was the 10-year anniversary, but I got a new Fitbit and like the Fitbits have gotten a lot better in the last like, I don't know, eight years since I got my first, my other one. And so it like tracks my, um, it's the Inspire 2. I don't know. It's not even like the fanciest one, but it like tells me a sleep score and it's like doing way more, like way better analysis of my sleep and of like my heart rate variability. So I have like all, you know, I love the data and I love just really understanding what's happening with me. And so it's been really interesting the last 10 days since I've had it to be tuning into like, and as I've been tracking kind of like how I feel safe in different situations and be looking at my heart rate and like thinking about how I'm doing. So I would recommend upgrading your technology if it's been a while. And no one takes me up on my free offers on this podcast. I still have eight free vacation days in Hawaii that no one has taken me up on, but I also have a free Fitbit that I can mail to someone because... I, I can't use mine because I walk on my treadmill and I'm typing on my desk while I'm walking on my treadmill. And so it doesn't measure my steps. And like it has to like really be on your wrist. Like I tried putting on my ankle. I've tried like tying it on my shoe or putting it in my pocket and like none of that works. So oh, wow. I have a free Fitbit, which I do like. It just doesn't <laughs> work with my treadmill desk. So listeners, not the, not the listeners from Norway. I don't think I can mail it internationally. Domestic listeners, that offer is for you. Well, thanks for being so generous, Sarah. What about you? What tip or trick do you want to share? Well, you know I'm on a quest to get more vegetables into my life, and I'm very jealous of your frequent vegetarian Indian food making. Uh, But I recently heard a tip to add frozen cauliflower into smoothies because you basically don't taste it at all, and it kind of functions like ice. And it just gets those cruciferous vegetables into your diet. And those are just huge and hugely important. So I'm excited. I haven't actually tried it yet. So I shouldn't have technically shared it as a tip since I haven't tried it. But I just got so excited. I bought two bags of frozen cauliflower. I'm going to try it tomorrow. I'm wondering if it would like make it like creamier, you know, because I feel like it's like kind of creamier than ice, like how adding a banana. Yeah. Stay tuned. Well, I'm going to I'm going to make sure we follow up on that one. Don't worry, listeners. I got your back. Now let's close out our episode with Facing Forward. Catherine, how did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks? And what new intentions do you want to set for yourself for the next two weeks? Well, I read Set Boundaries, Find Peace, which was great. I would recommend it. I also read Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Both of these books are about therapy. 
I would not really recommend. Maybe you should talk to someone. It was kind of dramatic. And I'm still working on reading American Dirt. Um, and then I celebrated my 10 year anniversary, which was very exciting. And then I've just been working a lot. So those have been kind of my last couple of weeks. In the next couple of weeks, we did. Oh, so we went on the backpacking trip. My kids hiked nine miles in two days. Whoa. That's a long way when you're four. So that was really exciting. We spent the whole night like four miles deep in the woods and it was incredible. We had a great experience. It was so fun. So we've decided that in the summer, we 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 just love traveling like road trip style where we get to spend a bunch of different nights in different places. And we were having a hard time justifying doing that with Airbnbs where you have to pay like a cleaning fee everywhere you go. And we we're staying in a bunch of different places during COVID. And so we've decided on a road trip camping trip. And so we're going to get that planned out, hopefully, finally. We're going to go to New Mexico. Nice. And then I'm also planning a personal retreat for myself in May. I've been wanting to do this for a long time around my birthday. I might be able to even – I'm thinking about doing it twice a year, actually. But my birthday's in May, and I want to do at least a long weekend. Um, and I've gotten the – I've talked to two monasteries in the last couple of days about lodging and room and board options. And so I'm very excited to go – spend some time quietly by myself at a monastery with some monks. Yes. We know you love the monks. Or did we edit that out as an episode know. where you were talking about that? I can't remember. I do love monks and nuns. I think we edited that out, but there it is again. What about you, Sarah? What would you like to make true for yourself in the next two weeks? Well, I would like to review my past two weeks to pat myself on the back because I sent my gift to my grandma, which I was very excited about. And I actually mailed a random gift to a friend. She mentioned on Instagram that she was walking her daughter to school now that her daughter was back in school and she was carrying a coffee mug with her. And so um, I sent her a, a tumbler that has a top on it for her coffee so she doesn't have to spill her coffee anymore. And I was realizing I... Don't think I have sent a random gift for no reason to a friend since I've had children. So that's a decade. So that made me feel kind of bad at the same time. But anyway, small steps forward. Um, we also got the a lot of the renovations scheduled for our vacation house. So that is exciting. And in the next two weeks, I want to continue to read the Try Softer book. Awesome. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're digging into that. Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com. That's S-O-W. Or you can find me, Sarah, on my blog at feedingthesoil.com. You can also find us on Instagram at soconnectedpodcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we would be so grateful if you will share it with a friend and review it on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. See you in two weeks. Wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and then.